Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. hard for a team in the Pirates position to stare down a week with the Dodgers in it and assume good things are going to happen, you know? Um, Pirates did what they do. They hung in, fought back, still fell short. Most things they do this season are going to have little lasting effect outside of culture building. So not too bad of a week, to be honest with you. I I really actually enjoyed the fight. Um, hey, at least they're beating the Cubs to get over the 85% vax threshold. But that's another subject entirely. Uh, Good evening and welcome back to the Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. And I can't wait to dig in on today's topics with my guests this week. First off, let's welcome back to the show our good friend, Charlie, host of the Bucko Fever podcast. Say hello, sir. Hey, thanks for having me again. Good to be back. Absolutely happy to have you back, sir. And next, let's welcome back Mr. Optimism himself, Mitchell Nagy, part-time contributor for Rum Bunter. Mitchell, welcome back, sir. Thanks. I like that nickname, too. That's a good one. There you I was go. a pro wrestler. <laughs> oh, I didn't say Mr. Perfect. I mean, where do we t- <laughs> uh, Well, you know, Mr. Optimism is probably a little bit more fitting. I have my flaws. All right. So let's dive in here, guys. I mean... I'd like to start today discussing something weird, and unfortunately, the Pirates have given us multiple opportunities for this to crop up already in 2021. When a player makes a really bonehead play, like Hayes missing a base or Craig forgetting how to play baseball, the anger about when and how they're made available to the media seems to be the hottest topic there is, more so than the play itself. I mean, it's too simplistic to say, oh, that's the media. Yeah, some of them complained, of course, but but fans were just as quick. So, Mitchell, what exactly did people think they'd hear from from Cabrian in particular? Because that's the most recent one. Yeah, see, and. I actually, I actually differentiated between the two, the two cases. I think it's a little bit of a different play. And I think Craig actually probably had a little bit more explaining to do than Key Brian did. He was hustling down the line. He didn't know if the ball was out and he missed first base. I mean, what I, I said this as soon as it happened, what did you, ex, what do you expect him to say? You know, um, I, 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 I can't understand. I can't understand how anybody could be, uh, could be, more than just a little annoyed at the situation. You know, he made a mistake. Uh, it was a physical mistake. Uh, I think even more than, uh, than a mental one. And, uh, and yeah, what, what is there to say about it? He, he, yeah, messed I mean, up. he missed the bag. It, the play is the play. And is it a story? Absolutely. It's a story. Certainly. But 
his answer might as well have been flown behind a plane over PNC. If you ask me, it was always going to be that obvious. But here we are, four days later, and reputable outlets are still writing about it. I mean, I have a blog. I know my place in the ecosystem. But when the journalism side of that ecosystem starts blogging, they crack away at their already crumbling foundation. You know, Charlie, I mean, I don't know your take on, on the whole Cabrian thing, but why don't you go ahead and give me your spin on what people are thinking here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what they're thinking because it was just a, it was a mistake. And it, I always look at it like any other job, if you make a mistake, it isn't, you know, amplified the way, you know, this is. Um, so, I mean, like you said, what's he going to say? I mean, everybody knows what he's going to say. He screwed up. And um, if he, if they didn't want him to go out there right away and, and talk about it, I mean, what, what's the big deal? I mean, everybody knew exactly what he was going to say. Yeah, it's, it's about wanting to make sure that people are found accountable, right? And yeah. wanting to make sure that we assign blame to people, you know? So everybody tried everything they could to make sure somebody other than the most obvious person, Brian Hayes, was to blame for this. We had to make sure that we we saddled the first base coach with a little bit of blame, right? Because he should have been just staring at the base. Because I know I've been to a lot of baseball games where the first base coach literally stares at the base as a home runs hit. I've never seen it, to be honest with you. Then we then we uh, we saw the blame pass off to the fans because we were too loud. I, I was there. It was actually pretty loud. I was actually impressed with the uh, with the reaction to that. I think everybody kind of has some. Uh, some pent up, uh, some pent up cheering to do when they're going to pirates games. Cause there's not a lot about to cheer about. And, and Brian really gives us all, uh, kind of something to cheer about. So we, we really let it loose and he didn't hear allegedly, he didn't hear the first base coach yelling, Hey, you missed first base. So. If he did, I mean, I, I, I don't even know if he did all the replays I saw, he looked like, uh, it looked like Tarek was staring into right field like everybody else in the stadium was. You yeah, know? and one of the things that I mentioned about the whole situation is we're missing the most important point, and that's that our young rookie phenom took one of the best pitchers in baseball, Oppo, to, uh, to start a game. And nobody wants to talk about that. Everybody just wants to talk about how he made a little mistake in a, in a meaningless game and a meaningless season. It's, it's very true. And, you know, Charlie, back to you, um, you know, you, you have people listening to your podcast all the time. Did you feel some kind of a need to make sure you addressed it somehow? Uh, no, I stay, I stayed away from it just because it was everywhere else. And um, yeah, I, I was just really, really shocked at some of the stuff I saw like on social media and everywhere I saw people calling for Derek Shelton's job for not coaching it correctly. <laughs> it's like who coaches people in, at the major league level to, to touch the bag when you hit a home run? It should, it's an automatic thing, but it got missed. So, well, how about the false equivalencies that get made here about this? You know, where we have people, even like Pat McAfee, you know, you know, I, and I like Pat McAfee, his show's fun, but there he is writing about this being evidence that Bob Nutting needs to sell, which, hey, I'm not going to argue with. I'd love him to sell, <laughs> but this has nothing to do with Bob Nutting at all. 
I mean, like, this is a great young player that made a mistake. It, it I don't understand how you sit there and, and point to Bob Nutting as, like, needing to sell now. He wasn't responsible for Craig screwing up either. That's, that's like, that that's crazy to me. Like, I, that's I got, like saying Mario Lemieux is responsible for Tristan Jari stinking in the playoffs. It, that's dumb. Yeah, I got on my soapbox about this a little bit earlier today. And um, I think that that's unfortunately the way, the way we're trending. Um, and, and, you know, I tied it into to just sports journalism, just stick with just sports journalism. Um, but I think it applies to a lot of aspects of our life uh, that, you know, these these websites and these media outlets, they're making money by the click. And it's really popular to say Bob Nutting should sell the team. So if anything happens around PNC Park, if, if the, if the uh, parking meters across the street, the price gets raised on them, somebody could write a story about how cheap Nutting is and how he needs to sell the team. And they know for a fact that that story is going to blow up and it's going to get clicks because people hate Bob Nutting and people are mad at the Pirates. And that's what they do. And that's why I think that's where that false equivalency comes from, Gary. I think it's just that as soon as you mention nutting bad, sell the team, pirates are a joke, you know, yeah. you're gonna get you're gonna get the the shares and the clicks and the, the the traffic to your to your website or your podcast or to whatever media outlet you're you're uh, you're going with. And I I, I just uh, it's kind of unfortunate that that's the way it's going, but that's where we are, and this is the kind of stuff we're gonna have to deal with. I mean I, I guess, you know, we shouldn't be shocked. We're, we're in a town where running out of hot dog buns got two weeks of, of, of stories written about it, you know? So it, it's sad. The landscape is not nearly what it should be for a professional sports team. And when you hear that stuff on even the Pirates flagship radio station, it's very difficult for me to understand the motivation there. Because you would think they'd want the ratings for their games, right? It doesn't seem to me that they're trying to sell their product at all. You know, that's already money. That's already money in pocket. That the you know the the radio deal is a is a long term contract that's already been signed. There, I, I genuinely think they they're, they're going to make more money by driving traffic to whatever blog post on the website or whatever it may be, um, trashing the team and trashing the pirates. And don't. Like, don't don't get this twisted. Pittsburgh still loves the Pirates. We don't want to admit it. I was at, I tweeted this a couple months ago. I was at Giant Eagle on the first day of uh, spring training games for the first spring training game, and I counted twelve people in Giant Eagle wearing some kind of Pirates gear for the first day, uh, the first spring training game. Yeah, the the town still loves its baseball team. We're just uh, I think a lot of people are just pretending that they don't right now, and you know that's. The criticism of ownership and everything else is, is valid. Don't get me wrong on that, but people still care about the Pirates as much as they don't want to admit it. No, I think that's very true. And I mean, I, I, I just think it's sad when we have some blogs in our space and podcasts that have more integrity than people that are actually making money doing this. And and that's just disappointing to me. Um, and, and as a, a longtime fan of the Pirates, I got to say, if the landscape wasn't this bad, I wouldn't be doing what I do at all. I mean, they, they've kind of brought about the competition that, that is eating them alive and, they, and they're feeling the need to stoop to as we speak. 
So I think that's the last time I want to mention that Cabrian Hayes play. And I probably won't ever mention that Will Craig play again either. But any final yeah. thoughts on this from either of you? Well, I mean, like I said, I think, I think I've said about all there is to say about it uh, from, from the media aspect. And I just want to remind everybody again, Brian Hayes took Walker Bueller oppo right down the line. It was an absolute missile. And, um, and that's what we should be focusing on because if that had changed the outcome of this game one way or the other, that he missed first base and it ends up not counting as a run, that doesn't matter. What right. really matters is seeing Brian Hayes come up there and put up another great at bat against a really good pitcher and get a great result. The, yeah. the the end result and and the end uh you know what ended up happening in the end with him missing a base yeah it's unfortunate but but we should be encouraged by uh by that at bat and not uh not so discouraged by by a simple mistake like that and i'm sure it'll never happen again <laughs> i i'm sure it won't either but taking the ball opposite field 21 feet in the air i don't care if it's a short porch that's an impressive shot <laughs> it was a missile. I was watching it from uh, section 117. It was a missile. Yeah, it really was. There's just a lot more to like about that kid than there is to spend an entire week talking about a mistake. So Certainly. on that note, let's end that segment. Let's wash that away. Let's shower it off like the Pirates are doing the Dodgers series. And let's come back and talk about something that actually matters a little bit. We are back, and uh, next up, we're going to start talking about the draft. I mean, anyone that knows me or reads my work on Inside the Bucks Basement knows I have been really loath to to get into this too much. Um, part of that's because people were talking specific names before the season even launched in 2020, and it's simply just far too early to discuss this sort of thing. And, and as expected, most of the names – weren't even in our consciousness let's just say this isn't my first rodeo i know enough to wait and be patient and and understand that the list is gonna is gonna change and grow it's just as silly to see people marrying themselves to elijah green already for 2022 but but you know we're now a month out it's time to start getting serious so charlie what do you think here who's your front runner and why um i I'm leaning towards uh, Jordan Lawler. Um, I just think what just to have all those tools, um, at, you know, and get that get that young guy in in the system. I think would be a huge um, a huge win for uh, for the Pirates. Um, I could also go with with Meyer. I mean, I think you could almost flip a coin between those two. Um, but I, I like Lawler. Uh, I think the the best of those two and if you ask me why i don't i don't really don't know i just think um i think i'd go lawler just because of the tools and then my third would be lighter but but short stops we don't know, need right? any more short stops charlie they're the most athletic people on the field like i think back to literally <laughs> the best kid on the team played shortstop or the coach's son played shortstop yeah. so either way either way um but 
they can move anywhere else. If you have somebody that's better, you can move a shortstop pretty much anywhere else on the field. Um, and, and they're going to be fine. Right. I mean, that said, the Pirates are actively holding somebody that probably has no place playing shortstop in the majors as a shortstop in O'Neill Cruz. So maybe they don't have the best track record for moving players when they should. But so, Mitchell, I mean, it, it's fair to give you a turn here, too. I mean, who do you think is your front runner on, on who the Pirates should select? So um, I think I think you got a couple of coin flips and it's going to depend on which way the Pirates are looking to go. I think um, that if you're looking to take the best overall player, I think you're going to take one of the high school shortstops. Um, if you're looking to take somebody who's going to be closer to the majors and can help you out sooner, uh, it's got to be either Lighter or Davis. Now, Rocker had an insane start on Friday uh, where he pitched into the eighth at, uh, at a regional, in a regional game. Right. Um, but I think, I think Lighter is, uh, is pretty much consensus to go higher than he is. Between Lawler and Mayer, um, Lawler is a little bit more of a five-tool guy, a little bit better uh, run tool, um, you know, but uh, I think that's, that's about as close to a coin flip as you're going to get. I do have a dark horse, though, and um, there's been some talk of this. Uh, I saw it on Twitter on Friday um, that uh, Khalil Watson from Wake Forest, he's uh, – he's, uh, um, Young shortstop as well, a uh, little bit smaller frame, but has all the tools. Um, and I've seen him be uh, be touted as a guy who uh, is quickly rising up the draft board uh, himself. So, right, you know, maybe that's the maybe that's my dark horse. But I, I just think that uh, you're going to end up picking high school or college, uh, and there's two coin flips either way you go there. Um, it just depends on what, what the Pirates are trying to do and what kind of system they're trying to build. So far, Charrington's track record has been young and lots of upside, so I'm leaning, I'm leaning toward one of the high school shortstops. I mean, it's been young and lots of upside in his trade acquisitions, but in his draft, he went college. So, you know, it, I, think, uh, I think in this draft, the way I sit, I don't see more than two possible generational talents in this draft. I really don't. And that it, that's bad because, you know, it's a bad time to have the number one overall pick. I just don't think there's a consensus overall number one pick. Last there's year, no you know, Strasburg, yeah. Yeah, last year it was Torkelson. Everyone knew it was going to be Torkelson. He was the best. and. That, there just isn't that this year. If you look at five tool players, really you have Lawler. I think he's probably the best bet to be that type of talent. But I think he's got a ways to go to actually prove that out. Um, on, the, on the mound, boy, I'll be honest. I don't know how you would go anybody but lighter. He's, he's got the pitch mix. He's got the maturity. He's got the pedigree. He's got, yeah. he's got everything that I'd be looking for. Um, if the Pirates really think that they're going to be making some noise in 24, 25, Lighter's the guy. I mean, he, he would be here by then, I'm pretty sure. And I think he'd be ready. So if you really think you need a star in the field, which this team certainly needs. Lawler's my guy. But... I could see Meyer as well. 
the flip side of that coin, Gary, though, is that if you draft Waller and he's the number three prospect in baseball coming into 2024 and uh, the Pirates decide they need starting pitching, um, he could be uh, he could be trade bait as well. Uh, so he know, could be able to being able to move that highly ranked prospect for established major league talent is a nice luxury of drafting uh drafting a young guy as well, um, especially with the Pirates time frame. I think, I think the consensus is that we want to be competitive in 23 and 24 should be the year that the Pirates are in the playoffs again. I think, uh, I think everybody would agree with that, right? I would. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I didn't hear anybody bring up Henry Davis. I know he was a hot, hot figure there for a while. Um, mostly because he's a catcher, I think, but yeah, I think everything I think I've read him lighter is my college pick. Yeah. Everything I read on him, though, didn't sound like um, scouts were all that convinced he was going to stick at catcher. And if he's going to be an outfielder, he's he's probably going to trend towards an average outfielder. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things that I actually uh, was thinking about was you'd probably, I know the pitch framing with him has been an issue and the, the defense behind the plate. Um, if – MLB goes to an automated strike zone. I think he looks like a lot better pick because he can handle catching the ball and throwing down. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can, you know, but, but as we saw with, with a guy like Jacob Stallings, it takes years and years of development and uh, Stallings has turned into an elite defender behind the plate, but he worked his tail off for it for years at, at the major league level, even uh, to turn into that. So Davis leaves something to be desired as a defensive catcher. Um, and I don't think you can take a lottery ticket on a catcher and, uh, and say, uh, uh, we're, we're picking a catcher hoping that he doesn't really have to catch because we, and he doesn't have to perform all the duties of a major league catcher because we're headed for an automated strike zone. I don't True. think that's a smart move. True. I mean, he, he smells a lot like Neil Walker to me. And while Neil Walker was a good player here, he was never going to be a catcher. You know, and and he was drafted as a catcher, but that was just never going to happen. And I think Davis is a little bit ahead of that, but not much. You know, if I remember, Walker was about a 50% shot that he stuck at catcher. And I'm seeing that's an interesting comp. And I'm seeing Davis around 60. So, yeah, it's kind of hard for me to 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 address an organizational need. Um, so specifically when they have so many needs, you know, I mean, with the DH coming too, it, boy, it really can't hurt to just have bats, the best bats, you know, it, we spend a lot of time worrying about what position they play, but if they can hit, you're going to have a place to sit them pretty soon. And that's pretty important as well. That said, how many times have you heard you cannot buy pitching? And even what Mitchell talked about, where he was um, saying, oh, you could get Lawler and, and maybe trade him for, for you know, ready-made pitching. You could, but, man, that's not the Pirates' style to bring on salary like that, is it? I mean, because it's all about getting cheap talent. That's what the draft's all about. I'd hate to see the number one overall pick eventually get traded for somebody else's toys. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you're right. I agree with that. It's uh, it's just it's just a possibility, and I think 
I think my my take on the draft is basically we've got a lot of good players to choose from with no consensus pick. So looking at where, looking at when you intend to compete and what these guys' ETAs are going to be, is maybe a way to differentiate between them when there's not when there's not really a consensus. I guess is what I was getting at. True. And Charlie, we always hear the the narrative that the Pirates are going to try to be as cheap as possible. Well, the draft is one of those areas where they've never done that. Not not since they did the slotting, and right. um, and and they they've consistently spent more than everybody else. So even on on MLB.com's most recent draft order, you know they they directly mention that the Pirates are going to pick between these three high school shortstops, and and they're going to pick whichever one will take the least amount. That that is just not what they do in the, in the draft anymore, and it's certainly not a game that I would see Ben Charrington playing with his number one overall pick i mean if we were picking like sixth okay maybe you play some games with slotting but i just don't see you playing games at this level with that pick what do you think yeah i don't either i think that um i i mean he's they're gonna spend money i think those high school guys i think they're really gonna go with with one of those guys because you know they're gonna cost um a significant chunk of money but then you know it all i think it depends too on what they have in the second round like who they see falling to them at that point because that was one thing with with the pirates over the years you know like you said they spend in the draft might not be in the first round but they haven't really had the first the first pick in a while so um you know they they hit it hard in the 10th round and 11th round and you know bring in those prep arms so i mean i think that I think Jerrigan's going to do the exact same thing this year. Yeah, just last year they did it with Jones, and I think he's going to ultimately yeah. be the steal of, of the, the 2020 draft. I mean, that's a, that's a great young pitcher, quite a coup to get in the third round. I mean, that was crazy. Um, I mean, I mean, if you look at the order right now, you know the Tigers want Marcelo Meyer. I mean, he's, he's the one that they've openly been targeting. He's not going to drop lower than third. So if it really is a pricing thing, he's the one that's got the most leverage, right? I mean, he'll hold out and, and make sure he gets top dollar. Problem is, I don't think the Pirates are afraid to pay top dollar. They'll pay whatever that slot calls for. I think it's like close to $8.5 million yeah. at this point. You know, they're, they're not going to care about that. They'll, they'll pay whatever. So I guess for me, all of this talk, I'm sticking with what I said. I'd go with probably Lawler or Lighter. And that's it's really back to what Mitchell said. It, it's do you want a college kid that's going to be here fairly quick or do you want a high school kid that's an investment for the future? Like the very distant future, not, not, not right away. That said, man, they have to have a bad taste in their mouth from Cole Tucker. You know, I, that's an high school shortstop that, I guess you could say was a reach, but that was a late first round pick. That wasn't like the number one overall. Right. And that was Neil Huntington's thing. Like he would look at like Will Craig, all these guys that were reaches in the first because he would just dump money elsewhere. Um, I don't think Charrington's going to do that. Like you said, with the first overall pick. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we'll see what happens as far as they change the ratings. They, they change this stuff constantly. Um, I think they've had the Pirates selecting any, anywhere from eight different people now, you know? 
Yeah. One yeah. one thing that's interesting is how far Kumar Rocker has fallen. And as you said, Mitchell, you know, he just had another great outing the other day. And I really think it comes down to his pitch mix. He's only got two pitches. And I think people are profiling him as a future reliever. You know, yeah, you can't draft a reliever one one. I think I think I actually have literally said that exact same phrase the last time I was on the show. That said, his body type, doesn't it look like he could run through a brick wall and keep going? I mean, like it's like CC Sabathia. Yeah, and just with injuries mounting all the time, man, you know, you almost party almost wants to bet on his physicality a little bit, you know. I just think it would be a stretch for the Pirates to select him first overall. If they were like second or third, you might be able to make a case for it. But even then, light, seen, lighter would fall in your lap. So yeah, yeah, I, and I've also seen people, and you know, I don't, I've not, I've not been to a Vanderbilt game and, and watched Kumar Rocker pitch. I've caught some of the innings on TV, and I, I, obviously, when pitching ninjas tweeting highlights, I'm watching him and everything like that, but. I, I've I've heard from scouts and experts and everybody else. The chatter seems to be also that he uh, kind of might have already maxed out his potential. You know, there's not a lot of room. He's not going to get bigger. You know, uh, he's not going to add velocity to the fastball. You know, if he does get, get bigger, they need to put him at first base. Because my yeah, God, <laughs> or, or maybe maybe on the Steelers' defensive line. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> But yeah, that, that's another that's another um, kind of knock I've seen thrown his way is that you know does he really have that much more to develop, and is a very good college pitcher not getting much better actually a major league pitcher, uh, you know. And then the, I mean the other guy who's kind of come out of nowhere recently is Jackson Job. Yeah, and I, I I hadn't heard anything about him. Um, maybe as recently as six weeks ago. So yeah, he's now ranked seven on uh, MLB's prospect rankings list. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think you'd be crazy to take a high school pitcher ahead of either lighter or rocker. But I mean, the latest I've seen is uh, people have him going third. So, um, yeah. uh, Hey, <laughs> the Tigers are pretty good at drafting pitchers recently. Um, yeah. And what pitcher wouldn't want to pitch in that stadium where you could, where, you know, Babe Ruth would have a hard time getting it out. Yeah. So a couple 410 foot flyouts. Yeah. I think that, what did I see the other day? There was a 439 foot flyout in, in Tigers. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, just a normal everyday flyout. Right. So is that Tiger stadium or Forbes field? I, it was, yeah. I mean, might as well be. You're right. Makes what Mazeroski did even more impressive, though, huh? Yes, it does. That was an absolute moonshot. The greatest home run ever hit. So, I mean, the, the MLB draft is not like the NFL draft. It's not some big party where everybody gets around. But I have, I have a feeling in Pittsburgh it's going to carry a little bit of extra attention, right? We've been talking sure. about it for the better part of a, of, of a year and a half now. So it's obviously going to get a little bit of attention, Uh you know, what do you think you're going to do on draft night? You're going to order some pizza and wings and sit back and watch it, or are you going to kind of just follow along on Twitter and critique as what you go? What day is the draft? I think the 11th of July. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a calendar right in front of me. Say, 
Yeah, it's a Sunday. Yeah, I probably won't have anything going on. Yeah, I'll watch it. Especially because they're picking first. Like, it's not like I'm going to have to sit there yeah, for right. hours and hours. It's going to be. See, I watched it last out. year and, we, you know, we picked seven. But I was just so hungry for any kind of baseball content at right, all too, last yeah. year that, like, I, I kind of just felt like I needed to. Um, I guess this year it does carry a little bit of extra excitement, um, just being first overall. And, you know, the last time we had that, it worked out, you know, pretty well, I would say. Um, and I, you know, I think Garrett was nice enough to leave some sticky stuff behind when he, when he moved on. So he's probably still helping the club. Right. But Hey, the draft's going to be exciting. I think, uh, consensus here we're all okay with a high school shortstop but we would all be just as okay with a collegiate pitcher so not too bad it's nice to have right good summary gary all right. yep all right let's go ahead and take a quick break here we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the actual training. So we are back, and as I said before the break, I think we should probably spend a little time talking about the actual 2021 team. So recently, the future is so much more fun to talk about. (laughs) That's true. But, you know, recently the Pirates had a a ton of players return from the IL and, you know, almost lost one again in Moran, but it seems like he's going to avoid that, which is great news. Um, How did they do with their choices for corresponding moves? I mean, Mitchell, you've seen enough of Will Craig, right? And how about Defo? How did you feel about what they decided to do and who they moved in and out? Yeah, I've certainly seen enough of Will Craig. And as you mentioned earlier, kind of reaching for him in the first round. As, as much as I know, it's kind of pedantic to, to feel that way. Just him being a former first rounder just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, um, I don't like letting Defo walk just because of what he was doing as a pinch hitter and then what that value may have translated to at the deadline, because I think there would have been a market for Defoe, even if it was just international money, because he was an excellent bench bat. You know, he's a got a glove. He's an established major league backup middle infielder type guy. I think right. there, there's uh, there would have been, you know, you got international money for Gerard Dyson last year. You're not allowed to trade house. international money this year though. Oh, you're not. Nope. Oh, geez, I sound like an idiot now. No, you don't sound like an idiot. You just sound like somebody that learned something. That's all. I did learn something today. Okay, well, you know. I'm the host for a reason. For, you know? <laughs> you got to keep us in line, even if it was for uh, a real lottery ticket type prospect. Uh, the fact that you were able to get, uh, you, you know. Th- well, we got certain... O'Neill Cruz for Tony Watson. So it's not like. Uh, it's not like it's Precisely. a stretch to think you could get a good piece. Precisely. There's going to be a market for guys like that who are established major league players who have been there, done that, especially because he was having a legitimately good season. He was one of the best pinch hitters in baseball. Yeah. Uh, I was a little surprised to see him chosen. I, I thought yeah. it would be Kai Tom probably, but it yeah. seems like they really think there's something there. I mean, I, I mean it, he's really the only alternative I think there was, him or Gamble maybe. Gamble and, uh, was hot, and you can't and, you can't deal the hot hand there. I agree, and I actually think uh, 
you know, prior to the season, I suggested Gamble as somebody I'd like to see them sign, you know, for the outfield because I knew we were thin before the season. Um, they didn't. They ended up getting him. That's great. He's got another year of arbitration. So, I, you know, they don't have to go out and fish from the same cesspool that they fished from, you know, before this season started. They can, they can have him next year. Kai Tom's a roll five guy. I understand not wanting to, to give up on him, but I don't know what they're seeing. I'm seeing a guy that is going up there and hunting walks. And that's cool as far as on-base percentage goes, but you have to be prepared to at some point take the bat off your shoulder and do some damage. I've seen a couple home runs from him. That's cool. I just don't see him hunting base hits. I see him hunting walks in all situations. Charlie, what do you think? Who should they have let go instead of Defoe, or do you think that was the right move? No, I, I Tom, Tom was the guy. I, I thought I've seen enough of Tom. Um, but he almost sticks on the team by default because the outfield is just so thin. I think if anybody at AAA was doing anything productive, um, they'd be up by now. And then Tom would have been gone a while ago, but I probably would have gone Tom over Defoe because Defoe, um, like I, I like the pitch, the pinch hitting point. I think he looked great. I'd rather see him come up than Eric Gonzalez. Um, I'd so rather I, see I almost anybody come up. I would have been okay with them letting Gonzalez go, but I, I don't know. I mean, well, we make a lot of his glove. And I got to say, yeah. when Cabrian Hayes was hurt and Colin Moran was hurt, it was really nice having somebody like Eric Gonzalez around who could handle both corners really well. He handles shortstop really well. He can really play just about anywhere and he's going to do okay. Problem is, he just isn't going to hit. And, and I, I'm tired of talking about his hard hit rate. It's, it's not adding up. It, I'd rather see Kevin Newman, Judy hitting singles, you know, like he did in 2019 with no hard hit rate and have all the analytics guys get mad that it didn't make any sense than watch a guy who's hitting the hell out of the ball, but he's drilling it right at the shortstop and second baseman over and over again. So – I don't know. The bat's never going to come along. I'd have been fine with them cutting him loose, too. That's the thing. There's probably five or six players that in the grand scheme of things. So what? I mean, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, that's a recurring me, theme with this team is that, you know, these are uh, the analogy of uh, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic comes to mind. You know, this is this. Yeah, that's the, true. The, who, who your third bench fat, uh, who your third guy off the bench is on the 2021 Pirates is. Uh, not exactly the most pressing issue of our time. That's the thing with Philip Evans coming back. He may not be a good outfielder. I don't think he is. But they're going to use him as an outfielder. Because with Moran back, he's going to play first base just about every day. So Philip Evans is going to be a corner outfielder one way or another. So to me right now, based on what they're doing with players, they're carrying five outfielders, Right. They've got Kai Tom, Gamble, Polanco, Brian Reynolds, and Evans. So where's Tom going to even get at bats? I mean, what's his purpose on the team? All he does is draw walks. That's not really something you're looking for from a pinch hitter most of the time, unless you're pulling them in like, um, 
in the ninth inning to get you a guy on base to lead off and you and you get lucky that 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 spot came up where you can use a pinch hitter to get a leadoff guy on but you don't want him coming up like needing that knock to, to drive in a run because he's not going to swing yeah that's not going to happen and yeah, i mean he's got some pop too it's a shame he doesn't swing more often but if he did i almost guarantee he'd be cut because his I think, would be down. Yeah, I think the biggest uh, the biggest shame actually is that Travis Swaggerty got hurt because yeah, I think he'd be very much he was he was hitting all right, and uh, I think with the situation as it is, I think he'd be very much knocking on the door here uh, yeah. to at least get a, a a cup up here in the major leagues, uh, and uh, you know, kind of serve that fourth outfielder role, or maybe even get some uh, get some starts. Uh, yeah, you could say the same for Jared Oliver. I mean, it, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Although I think Oliver profiles more as a uh, as a backup fourth outfielder kind of guy as a career. Where you're probably absolutely right, but to me, you still he have profiles Swaggerty can be an everyday. Still better than starting. Yeah, to me, he yeah. profiles is better than Tom and Gamble, yeah. and that's really all I'm asking for right now. And you know, I I've always kind of. I always try to kind of avoid the the whole Gregory Polanco thing in the outfield because when when they were coming back from injury, that was the top suggestion I kept getting. People were like, "He, sh- it's it's time for him to go. He should be the guy that gets cut." I don't know how any general manager in the entire league, and I know what Gregory's numbers are. I really do. I swear to God. So please don't don't start tweeting the, the numbers at me and. And telling me how how crazy I am. I've watched him hit. I know how hard he can hit a ball. I know what he can do when he catches that hot streak. Um, I don't know how you look yourself in the face in the mirror as a general manager, keeping Kai Tom over Gregory Polanco. I just don't know how you do that. So to me, that was never going to happen. But I guess, hey. Is it time maybe where they should have been thinking about that? No. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think we all know he, he hasn't been good. But at the same time, wouldn't you rather see him take swings than watch Kai Tom walk? I would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, mean he's... I, have, I struggle with that a lot because I know how bad he is. I know his numbers and there's, there's no analytic argument to say he's doing well. There's no eye test way to say he's doing well. The only thing I can say that, that that's positive really about Gregory is I think this year his arm has showed up a little better than, than I thought it would. It's rebounded a little bit, and he is playing better defense. He's getting the more balls. That's about the, other the best thing I, I can do. The other thing I can say for Polanco, and it's more of a – off the field kind of thing is that if I'm not mistaken, he's still the longest tenured pirate, right? Oh yeah. And I know for a fact he's beloved in the clubhouse and that he's one of the guys that everybody, everybody likes and looks up to and, um, and everything like that. And he's established himself as being certainly capable before he got hurt in 2018, which, you know, say what you will, that it was kind of his fault, uh, that he got hurt and, you know, but, uh, he was, he was OPSing, uh, well over 800. I believe his OPS plus that year was 128. So he was 
well yeah. above an average major league hitter. Um, you've seen that he's capable of doing that. And, uh, you know, then there's the money side of things. You're going to pay him no matter what you do with him. And do you really want, would you rather pay uh, whatever, whatever it is? I think it's, it's into, um, it's into eight figures this season, right? It's 12.5. Are you going to pay 12.5 for him to not be out there, at least taking some at bats? Maybe he gets hot and you can trade him for three. They're going to pay 3 million for him to to not be out there taking it bats after this yeah, season. It's, it's just, all there it's is just to not going to happen. Yep. And uh, I say, enjoy it. Uh, you know, there's some fond memories there. I remember the, uh, the walk off in 2015, the second back-to-back night versus the Cardinals that laser into right field to beat them. Yep. You know, and just, uh, you know, you can, you can have guys like that around on a rebuilding team. And if he catches fire and you can, you can get a lottery ticket type prospect, but not international slot money uh, for him, then, <laughs> then that's great. Uh, if not, then uh, he rides off into the sunset and uh, that closes the book on the last uh, era of pirates baseball. And we can uh, look forward to the next time we're going to see a playoff team at PNC park. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, plus, you know, Will Craig, not surprisingly, cleared waivers, so he's still part of the team, right? And I I don't know if Depot will clear or not, but he's got veteran status, so he, he could probably just elect free agency anyway, right? Yeah, somebody will pick him up, I think. That's what I would think, too. And I think Ben Gamble probably would have got picked up, too. He, he actually has looked like he can handle himself yeah. uh, at the plate, and that's good. So we're back to – pretty much having our opening day roster now on the club for the most part minus uh, Alfred and Tom there's a little switch there right and you got Gamble thrown into the to the mix as well so Alfred had a home run at AAA last night he's had four of them now um he's starting yeah. to turn it on a little bit but um again AAA hitting he's done that before several times you know so to yeah. me that was that was always going to be the case. They were going to send those guys that have traditionally done well at AAA. That's the reason they took a flyer on them in the first place. And guess what? They're doing well in AAA. Dustin Fowler was just clearing cleaning up not three weeks ago, yeah. um, and and doing really well down there, hitting home runs and doubles, and, and they're smacking the ball all over the field. But they should. They're supposed to be major league level players, you know? I mean, that's what they were brought in here for. Um, the outfield's been a mess all season, but I, I do think what you said about Swaggerty is probably true. A lot of these moving parts aren't here if Swaggerty and all of it don't go down. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But do you think the Pirates see a future for Tom? They must. Uh I don't know if they're looking in a crystal ball thinking that he's going to be a legitimate major league player. I think they're probably uh, more or less taking a flyer on him. And uh, you know, since there's not really a better option, you give them extended time and see if, uh, see if anything clicks or not. I think that's probably uh, the extent of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear that argument and I agree with you. And then that doesn't jive with cutting loose a legitimate major league player and Wilmer Defoe for him. Because I personally don't see a future for him. And if that's the case, you're just really holding on to him for what? Because you just picked him up? I mean, like, 
that's really the only thing I can think because at least Defoe was doing something really well. He was really, really doing well pinch hitting. And, and you're probably, nice I mentioned the possibility of trading Defoe earlier, but also Defoe could have ended up being in the starting lineup fairly regularly if you end up uh, moving Adam Frazier at the deadline. That's possible, yeah, because he, he was a natural second baseman, although he can play a whole lot of positions. He was also the only real backup in center field. So um, not sure what they do there now. I guess that could be Tom or Gamble. Gamble's there tonight. Okay, well, Gamble's done it before, so I'm not totally shocked. He played that in Milwaukee quite a bit. but uh, And he is a great outfielder, actually. Gamble – Gamble's got a pretty good highlight reel of defensive plays. I mean, I, I enjoy watching him play. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it wasn't going to be a fun decision no matter who they picked. I just thought it was a little curious they went in that route. And then, you know, the other one that came back is, is Trevor Cahill, right? So he comes back, and they, they give uh, Luis Oviedo a little bit of a – 10-day IL trip for something, right? And it could be legitimate. I'm not saying it's not, but he's sitting around 70 days of the 90 that he needs to fill out on the major league roster. So I kind of felt like this was going to happen at some point this season anyway. The left quad injury. I mean. Yeah. What What is the allegiance to Trevor Cahill? What role does he serve here right now? I, I mean, they already came out and said they're going to use him primarily out of the pen now, at least for the foreseeable future. So um, there goes the, the whole thought process of potentially sending Mitch Keller down and using Cahill. What's the point? What are we, what are we holding on to Cahill for? Again, I guess you can talk about trades. Yeah, that's, real, that's really the only reason I can think of is that they think if he comes coming out of the pen, he might give them a little bit of, of trade value, whereas a starter, he wasn't going get to get them anything um, with, how, with how bad he was and how much he struggled. But – Maybe out of the pen. He's had success out of the pen semi-recently in the last couple of years, but that's the only reason I see they why they would keep him around. Yeah, I mean, and the only other thing I can think of is, you know, they know Tyler Anderson's going to get traded. Yeah. And there's yeah, a guy they can just – back to the rotation. Yeah, there's a guy they can just dump right back into the rotation because they can't think they're going to get much of anything for him, right? No. So – Maybe he's just a warm body they can toss back and forth. But, you know, you got you got other players coming back. I know we just lost Jose Soriano again, but you still got Steven Brault coming back. And It looks like Yahure, uh won't be out long-term either. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. knock on wood on that one because we know how that goes, that uh, we're going to pause throwing for two weeks, and then three months later it comes out that he had Tommy John surgery, which I've got my fingers crossed that that's not going to happen, and that's not going to be the case here. But – yeah, you're gonna have some arms coming back to to get some innings, but Cahill, uh, he's like a he's like a rental car, you know. Uh, yeah. You can just uh, you take the turns a little tighter, hit the brakes a little harder, and it's uh, you know, uh, it's not your car. So I like that uh, analogy quite a bit for Cahill <laughs> if, because if he, if he yeah. has to start every three days uh, through August and September because we've got nobody else to pitch, <laughs> doesn't hurt the Pirates any. <laughs> He's definitely the economy car, but it's uh, it is what it is. I I didn't think any of them were really really surprising. Um, they've been moving a lot of pitchers around, so I'm not shocked about any of that. Um, I guess it, it's the only other thing they could really do that 
that any of us have have any kind of real question about is what do you do with Mitch Keller? Do you just keep shoving him out there? At some point, do you send him down and bring somebody else you didn't think was good enough back up like Will Crow? I mean, I can say before his last two starts, I thought he looked better than Mitch Keller. But I'm just not sure what there is to be gained. Maybe you yeah. use Mitch Keller in the bullpen. The I don't think I don't think that that's on the table. I think they're going to try to keep him stretched out as a starter. Um, I, I I think the only way he gets sent down is if they decide to do something radical with him, like try to change up his pitch repertoire. Um, I, I've seen some chatter on Twitter um, that you know with the four seamer looking so flat that maybe it might not be the worst idea for him to try to try to start throwing a two seamer uh, and get a little bit more action on the fastball. Obviously he's got the size and the, and the arm strength. And, you know, if he can whip a two seamer in there at 96 or 97 uh, and maybe get a little bit more on it, uh, that might be uh, because the curveball still plays the breaking yeah. stuff still plays. Uh, he's just getting killed on the fastball. I mean, that's now granted it's Mookie Betts and Ronald Acuna who, who took him deep, but in the first at bat of the game now, twice in his last three starts, he's gotten just absolutely blown up on a, on a middle, middle, just dead batting practice type fastball. And well, how uh, much of that do you think is the, the team though, actively telling him like, Hey, you got to throw a pitch, right? You got to get it over the plate. You have to. I, mean, I think that's no. the only way he gets sent down, though, is if is if they say, let's take a step back, let's change up what you're doing, let's give you some time to work on this. If if he's just going to have to take his lumps in the majors, I, I, they're not going to teach him a new pitch in the majors. I, I just don't yeah. see that. I agree with you there. And on that note, I think we've pretty much touched the, the roster moves for the for the Pirates. It, I, again, none of it was really that surprising, and. If you got real mad about them cutting Wilmer Difa, you probably haven't been paying very close attention to uh, what what a good baseball player looks like. So on that note, Charlie, why don't you tell people how to get a hold of you and how to hear your stuff? Yeah. Um, look me up on Twitter at BuccoFeverPod, uh, BuccoFeverPodcast.com. And, of course, anywhere you want to, you can get podcasts. You can find Bucko Fever Podcast. Sounds good. Mitchell, you're up. Uh, as Mac Miller once said, hit me on Twitter. Uh, it's <laughs> at M-R-Y-A-N-N-A-G-Y. I'm getting close to, uh, to 2,000 followers here, so I'm making a little push, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to talk Pirates. Shoot me a DM. We'll talk about things. I think there's, uh, there's a lot to look forward to. There's a lot to uh, untangle this season ahead of us, and um, I'm excited to talk about it with everyone. All right, and I'm Gary Morgan. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryMO2007 or check out anything I write on Inside the Bucks Basement. Listen to all the podcasts on the network. They're all good. They're all free. They're all fun. And uh, until next week, let's go Bucks. Bucks.